Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. But welcome, wherever you are in the building, wherever you are online, wherever you're watching from, whether you're in a hospital bed or in a coffee shop or on your own somewhere, you're never on your own when you're with The Rock. Praise God. And so... Uh, it's really good news also that God is here today. Not just you, not just us that are here. And we're trusting for him to speak to each and every one of us. Amen. And so we're celebrating love. Uh, Valentine's was, I must be honest, we never went out on a Valentine's date. We had prepared our calendar full and we had meetings and we realized mid-afternoon, oh my goodness, we've got a meeting this evening uh, in Cape Town and... It was Valentine's Day. So I'm taking my wife out tomorrow. Everybody say, oh. Oh, praise God. So I want to celebrate what Jesus loves. Any clue? Spelling doesn't count. Bold. No, not bold. <laughs> Jesus loves his church. Amen. He loves his church. He died for it. But, but uh, before I get there, are you ready? For the word, repeat after me. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I thank God for the local church. That is God's local church that is worldwide. Is what I'm talking about. The universal church of God. But more specifically, I thank God for this church that is here. And so I shared our vision on Vision Sunday, and I declared that this year the rock would be serving Jesus under the theme of bold. We know that. But we're talking about bold dreams, bold prayers, bold invitations, and that comes through the local church. And I believe that God wants to use the local church to help people flourish in life. The Bible says that people that are planted in the house of God will flourish will flourish. It says, even in old age, which I can almost see from where I am. Old age, I mean. But it says, even in old age, people will still be flourishing and still be fruitful. Why? They are planted in the house. And so I believe in the church, and I'm excited that you and I are part of it. But what image comes to mind if I say, the church to you. Is it a building, stained glass windows, cathedrals, program, meetings, rules and regulations? So I'm not sure what you think, you know, when you think about the church. But when you open up the Bible, you quickly discover what God thinks when he says the church. And so Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is what? Who is? It's on the screen. Now to him who is? Able. Our God is able. Able. Come on, that should give us boldness. Hey, if your God isn't able, get a new one. All right. Get another God. Because my God is able. Amen. And so our God created heaven and earth. And uh, you've got to understand this God. 
He sees everything. He knows everything. He can count the hairs on your head. And he's got to keep counting mine because they're getting less and less every day. I look in the shower and I go, help me, Jesus, hallelujah. But he sees everything. He sees sparrows that fall from the sky. Our God is amazing. He's a miracle-working God who never, ever changes. And he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So be bold in your dreams because our God can do way more than we can imagine according to his power. Guess where it is? Working within us. To him be glory where? To him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And in the Bible, there are these jigsaw puzzle pieces that give you a little bit of a picture. But when you put them all together, you begin to see what God is talking about when he speaks about the church. When Jesus spoke to Peter in the book of Matthew, it's the only thing he said he was going to build. The only thing he said on this earth that he's going to build is the church. And so I'm going to read to you out of the Message Bible in Matthew 16. You are Peter Rock. This is the rock on which I will build my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Come on. We are not meant to live on the back foot. We are meant to be bold and we are meant to move forward in all that God has for us in our life. We're not meant to live in isolation. God never intended a Christian to live in isolation. And I'm going to be very honest. My heart breaks for non-Christian attending, or I should say non-church attending Christians. Maybe even some of you listening right now to this message online, for some reason, you've shrunk back from the church. And I know it's not perfect. I'm a pastor. I see the best and the worst of the church. It's not perfect. But that's the only thing Jesus said he was going to build on earth. And my prayer is that you will rediscover the wonder of the church. The church has, has existed for over 2,000 years. Ruthless governments have, haven't been able to come along and stop it. Changing political ideologies haven't shrunk it. Even flawed leaders within its own structure have not been able to stop her progress, haven't been able to stop her advancement on the earth and the purpose of the church. And so today, millions of people are a part of it. They're meeting in small villages and, and in mega cities, in cathedrals and in school halls. And so it is God's plan for the earth that carries the good news of his love, the love that he has for us. And you and I are part of it. An expansive, energetic, unstoppable church. Now the Bible gives us many images to help us understand the nature, the character, and the purpose of the church. Many. But today I want to look at just four. Of them. This four, I think, will give you a snapshot of how God sees the church. Amen? You with me? Back row? 
up in the baby room. Yeah, they're waving at me. Hello. Yes. Number one, a bride. The bride of Christ. As a pastor, I've had the privilege of marrying many, many couples, even on the front row. My goodness, all right? And one of my favorite times is when I step up to the microphone and I say, will the congregation please rise as we welcome the bride? And there she comes. And I've had moments, even on rainy days, when the sun appears to just suddenly come out, you know, and it, it... it radiates from the bride. It is something shining and, and, and exciting, you know. And so when the bride comes, you know, you hear people like, a, as she comes in, oh, wow, oh. And there are whispers. The groom's knees immediately go to water right there. We see him getting all emotional as he looks at her. And people whisper, you know, I've never seen her. I've never seen her look this good before, ever. So beautiful. And many times in scripture, Jesus refers in parables to the relationship that he has with the church as similar to that of a bride and a groom. That is there. In the letter to Ephesians, Paul writes about the church that is glorious. It's magnificent. And ready. This church is ready to encounter the Lord. And when we come together to worship Jesus, when you and I are in moments, like the worship we had just this morning before, before the, 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 the preaching, it is a tiny, tiny, minuscule snapshot of what heaven will be like when billions of us gather together before the throne of God and we start crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. There will be no generational barriers. There will be no cultural barriers, you know. We will come from every single tribe, every nation. We'll come from every single tongue. And we will be gathered in the fullness of the glory of the bride of Christ. That is why we need to make getting into the house of God a priority. This is a priority. It must be a priority in our lives. David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because there's something about it. You know, some people, people come in here all the time that I knew and, and they're here for the first time and it's like, ah, I didn't expect this. But I've had how many people say to me, whoa, from where I come, man, this church is alive. It's alive. Can you say amen? It's alive. Because when we come to worship and lift up the name of Jesus, God has promised that he will come and he will meet with us. And so when we praise and worship, as we do on our encounter nights that we have here, he says, I'll inhabit your praise. That's what God does. He inhabits the praises of who? His people. And it is, I believe, and I've seen it so many times, in those moments that bodies are healed, relationships are restored, people are set free. I've had people come up to me and say, I, I can't explain it. I don't re- remember, you know, um, exactly how it happened but I just got into the presence of God as the church began to worship and you know what my life has changed I had a person after the encounter and I'd say to me man man this is amazing the rock is amazing 
I cried right through the worship time. Every tear I felt that, 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 that as I cried, this person to me, I felt like there was healing taking place. Something was happening in my heart. I was like a broken vessel, but I really feel that God was putting me together. That's the church. It's where people matter. Where we connect people to God, people to people, and people to purpose. And that is what you are part of. That is what we are a part of. You're not just coming to a meeting. You're not just fulfilling an obligation. This is the bride of Christ. And you are a part of it. You've got to know that. Are you with me? Here's another image, and I love this. You and I are part of a family. The family of God. One of the biggest challenges in our society today is loneliness. You know, we live in a world where people have hundreds and hundreds of Facebook friends and nobody to talk to. You know? Man, there's something wrong with that. And here's the good news. God knew that it would be like that. He understood what was going to go on in the world. And so way back at the foundation of time, he had in mind that we would create family when we come together. It's important. In Psalm 68 verse 6 it says, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in Family. So the church is a place where people can and should connect. You don't just come to meet God. Though that is number one. All right. I'm not taking away from that. But we also come to meet people. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. We need to turn neighbors into brothers and sisters. I believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to create family. And if we're going to do that, listen to me. It won't happen. doesn't just happen by itself. We need to be intentional. Every single member of the family needs to play their part so that you can strengthen the family ties that are there. And I believe we have a responsibility to make an effort to help people connect. And this year, I really feel the Holy Spirit is nudging us further in that area. You know, I heard a preacher say this, and I didn't really understand it at first. But I think I do now. He said, we need to waste time with people we love. We need to waste time with people we love. Now, I remember thinking, eh, I'm a go-getter. I don't waste time. <laughs> We get so busy doing stuff that we can easily neglect family in our lives. And we need to waste time with them. And so at The Rock, there are always ways, I think, for us to do that. You've heard it so often. You're going to hear it till the end of the year. We have life groups. Are you a part of one? Don't answer that question. I don't ask that question to condemn me. That's not the thing. But I do have to ask the question, are you, as part of this church, of hundreds of people that come together, are you in some 
setting regularly where you actually get with people who knows everyone's name. Make sense? Do you get together with people in a group who knows your name? Because you won't know everybody here. I mean, I get confused just with the front row. And I'm married, nine-tenths of them. And I married one of them. I know who you are. I'll find out your name. I brought you into this world. I'll know your name before I leave this message. <laughs> Dylan, Jared, uh, uh, Justin, Caleb. <laughs> Who's heard me say that in stuff? <laughs> but there are a few people who you can know. And they can know you. They can know what makes you happy, knows what makes you sad, know what you're going through. It's called life group. And maybe you missed it this term, I don't know, but I want to tell you, start one or be part of one. Yeah. Say next time I'm going to be part of a life, to, life group and contact Amy or Dylan, stand up there, give a smile, go to the resource center, I think the ad said that is there. They are life group pastors. Not only do we have life groups, but we have ministry groups. Ministry groups for young adults that, that reach out to shine and strength. And in my spirit, this last week, as I'm praying, I want to expand that. I want to expand shine from more than one area into many areas. Strength, going out, building teams. Those of you that are the front row, I think, is mainly part of the team. You're going to expand that. You're going to go beyond that. You're going to find new schools to get into. You're going to raise up new leaders to go to those schools. Things are going to happen in this year that's going to blow your brain. We are moving forward with a new boldness. My dreams, my prayers. We're going to offer, ask invitation. Can we come into your school and make a difference? Man, Abby, our youth pastor, is now in charge of running the, 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 the spiritual curriculum at Laura Shell, I think it is. Kids pastor. She's the kids pastor. I knew she was doing something. I, I, only the pastor of a local church. But we do. We have ministry groups at Rock Hay. When they gather, I go in there. They're laughing. They're talking. They're joking. But they're making a difference. There are toddlers, parents groups, all of these, you know, are spaces and places where people can connect, where they can strengthen the family ties. Now, you might say to me, Pastor Mark, you know what? I'm brand new. I'm not ready. I'm just not ready to make that kind of commitment. I'm still growing in my faith. I've just come to town. I'm just visiting. In fact, Pastor, I'm here, but, but I'm just checking this place out. Nothing wrong with that. I get that. And you may not be ready to join a group. But can I encourage you to do one thing? Just stay a little longer after the meeting and get to chat with somebody. Just stay a little bit. You know, don't just say ha and just keep walking. Perhaps talk to somebody, start a, start a conversation. You know, talk to somebody maybe around your gender, around your age. Don't assume that they're your age. They may be 20 years younger. You never know, you know. Don't say, ha, oh, wow, you're looking good for 75. <laughs> Skip that bit, you know. Just keep that bit to yourself. But let's just begin to have conversations with one another. Can you commit to just turning up the friendship factor at the rock? You know, I was thinking about this. I really was. And I think we've got to become friends 
before we can become family. Did you hear me? We've got to become friends before we become family. And I've been pondering on that this week. I don't have the luxury not to have friends with the family of God. Amen? And so I love, I love it. I love the deli. I love the cafe crew. Because it causes people to stay longer. Why? It's about people. It's not about the tea. It's not about the coffee or the awesome toasted sandwiches that they have, which I wish I had before the service. But it's about people. Let me tell you what else family does. It talks differently. So here at The Rock, I really want us to embrace being kind when we speak. The hustle and the bustle and the pressure of, of do, perform, be, go, all these things. I know I do. I can become harsh. And I want to say, let's be different. Let's be a people that are kind. Talk differently. I thought of it be kind. You know, if somebody attends the Wellington or the Park campus, we don't call it that church. We're family. It's never ever about us or them. It's only ever us or our. Are you with me? Because the rock is not so much about location, but about one great big family that God is blessing, and he's blessing it right now in two different locations we still have bold dreams to plant more churches amen because that is what God is building we want to make a difference right across this region and I want to ask you are you catching something today I've been praying and seeking God this week that there will be an impartation into your spirit not only a language but our commitment together needs to change come on we need to be where Jesus is the center. People are our reason. Worship is our passion. Community is our heart. Faith is our response. Generosity is our norm. And serving is our privilege. Decide to be a part of the events and the key moments in church life. You see, my family would never ever think of not getting together at Christmas. It's what we do. And there are some events that I would ask you to prioritize because it's important that we come together. Do you know that a secular person thinks about going to church only a couple of times a year? Secular people, that's it. Easter and Christmas. Then below that are funerals and baby dedications. Easter and Christmas. Well, Easter is just six weeks out. So if you are in town, I want to say to you, come to our Good Friday and our Sunday services. That's when family gets together and we celebrate the why. Why we are here. It's all because of Jesus. And so prior, prior, prioritize. Ah. Encounter nights. When the family comes to worship, we come together from both campuses and we worship God as one. My heart is to see all of you planted. My heart is to see all of you flourishing. That's it. But so often as a pastor, when you say that, you just feel this like passive uh, pushback or resistance. 
Like it's not really that important. Let me tell you, it's important. It is important that we need to help others. We come so we can help other people step up. Because when you step up, it's good for you. It's good for your home. It's good for your workplace. It's good for your community. And it's time for you to rise and shine in Jesus' name. Because that's what we do as a family. So, we're not just a bride. We're not just a family. We are also the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you. That's the person next to you and say, You. You. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, each one of you is a part of it. That's what it says. What an incredible, amazing thought. Like any member of a healthy body, we, each of us, actually have a part to play. For your body to be healthy, it needs to feed on the right things. It needs to function. Otherwise, things begin to stagnate. And I'm telling you now, they slowly die. You are the body of Christ. And it is in the local church that you will find your identity. It's in the local church that you will find your God-given purpose. And I believe the church sets people up with the most amazing opportunities. Man, God's raising a generation that I love. Some of those in our, our technical things run by people that are one-third my age. I can't do it. I look at them, man, they are incredible. We get opportunities to serve, to lead in kids, youth, and young adults. I mean, Liz was just talking, sign up for the stand, young people. Come on, say, I'm going to serve the next generation. I'm going to put my name down on that list. Liz, there's a queue before you signing up today, but I'm going to wait in that queue. Mark says, stay a little longer. I'm going to stay a little longer. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to serve the next generation. My life is going to make a difference. We get opportunities to serve. I mean, what an incredible dream team, right? And I want to see more teams become school captains. I want to see more of our teens in this church becoming, I don't know what they become, prefects. I don't know, young adults getting promotion at work and moving ahead. The mature beginning to shine in life because I actually believe the church helps people step up and step into what God's got. And we know that as you build God's house, God's house he builds yours. So the church is God's plan for the world. He's planned for you and me. And it's absolutely incredible. You are a member of the body of Christ. And each one of you, each one of you is a part of it. That means you have a part to play in it. The body of Christ is less if you just hold back and don't do. I think there's three things every believer should do. I think there's three things God wants every believer to do. If you're taking notes, number one, we are meant to serve. Number two, we are meant to grow. And number three, we are meant to give. Serve, grow, give. There are many areas across church life, I think, where you can serve. And you know, we don't ask people to do everything. We don't ask people to do lots of things. But we do encourage you to do something. It was so fantastic to see so many people at Growth Steps last Sunday, was it? I mean, it was incredible getting on. If you haven't done, sign up for it next time. It will help you discover our vision, you know, that we have, our values that we live by, and we'll help you discover your gifting, how you're wired. We'll give you an opportunity to find the best area for you to serve in. 
We want to set people up for success, to serve God in the house and from the house for the house. And church, life becomes far more meaningful when you find somewhere to use the gifts that God has for you. And we discover, the Bible says, having freely received, we're meant to freely give. We're meant to grow. You are meant to to uh, flourish enough and not get stale in your faith, regardless how long you've been serving Jesus. Our partners at Membership Club will help you understand the history of our church. You are part of something that is almost 30 years old, and we are still living on the purpose and the DNA that God gave to us, I believe, that God put into our spirits at the start of this journey. So I'm taking this world bold, very seriously. I want to grow personally and continue to move forward. And if God is building his church, I want to be on mission with him. So I have to check things. I have to check what I'm reading. I've got to check what I'm watching. I've got to check where I'm going, how I'm opening up my heart and to who I'm opening up my heart and my mind. I've got to believe God for new things because I don't want to let rigor mortis set into my soul in any way, not into my mind at all. In a few weeks, we've got Gerrit van Niekirk. He's going to be speaking on finances. Finances, Because 95% of people that are coming, us, coming to us with issues, issues in their life, it is financially driven. Pressure in the marriage, pressure in the, all those things. So he's coming forward. He will be speaking on finances, which, by the way, is not some arm-bending thing to make you pay your tithes. Or, we actually believe God wants you to flourish. And we will speak about God's principles, but also how to have wisdom and what to do in those two weeks with the 90% that's left over. We believe God wants to bless families. He wants to bless families generationally. Can you say amen? amen? And we believe he wants to break the bad choices leading to debt. That he wants to set you up for a blessing. And so we're going to help you learn how to live serving God rather than serving money or being a slave to it. And so lots of things are happening. Let's be bold in how we live our lives. Let's be bold in our giving. We are the body of Christ. And when we do a little bit, we can actually get a lot done. So the bride, the family, I know I'm over, but you've got to get this in your spirit. The body. We're over time, but you've got some gifts. They took my time. I mean, there's one more picture I want to leave you with. We are the army of the living God. Now, I've preached many uh, stories on the army of the living God, but as I studied the army, something hit me, and so I'm going to just share with it with you because Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, we don't have time now to read it. It, it, it lets us know that we are soldiers in the army of God, that we are fighting a spiritual battle. That's another reason for us not to be passive, but to be bold. And in the Song of Solomon, chapter 6, God's people are described as awesome. Say awesome. 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 You're still with me. But it's as an army with banners. Verse 4 of 6. Yes, as beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army. Talking about his people. With billowing banners. Verse 10. As bright as the sun. As majestic as an army with billowing banners. Banners. And it struck me, this army's got banners. What is banners? Well, in the same book, it says in 2 verse 4, you'll discover that his banner over us is love. Song of Solomon 2 4, his banner over us is love. And a banner shows boldness, but 
It's a bold, unretreating love, I believe. Our community doesn't need any more religion. It doesn't need any more rules and regulations, but it does need to see the tangible expression of the love of God. That is what it needs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the body of Christ, and then he moves from the body, and he tells us what love is, how to function as his people. In chapter 13, verse 4, he says, love is patient, love is kind. I want to start a revolution of kindness and I want the rock to be at its epicenter. We are known for many things. I do believe we have amazing worship. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. We have incredible ministry to the next generation. We're known for our rock care community work that we do, etc., etc. But I don't want them to just say, oh, they're incredible with this, or they're incredible with that. What I'd love them to say of the rock is, those people are kind. They're just kind. So whenever you encounter us, whether it's out in the community, whether it's in the parking lot, whether it's in the deli, whether it's in the kids' church, wherever, that the banner over his army is the love of God. That whatever we do, whether it's life group, youth group, dealing with pregnant teenagers, serving tea, the love of God is expressed as kindness. Yes, we bolt. We are an army. I'm not talking we'll be little pushovers. Uh, we have a value system, but if you don't like them, we've got another value system. No. But we do want bold prayers, bold dreams, bold invitations. But let us show kindness to a lost generation. And so this year, we will do many, many things. Ooh. But the most important thing we're going to do is love God. Love each other. Find purpose. And reach out to a lost and dying world. We need to reach out with bold, bold, bold invitations. And I know that our nation needs some changes in politics, in economics. But you know what it ultimately needs? A spiritual renewal or an awakening, or a touch, or a spiritual revival. And we as a people have to get on with the job of evangelism, with the great commission, connecting people to God. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so next, let us be a people that never ever forget who we are. We are an army. We are a family. We are the magnificent bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.25, Paul wrote, Husband, loves your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yes, what? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Jesus did it all to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. You can't become holy or blameless through your own efforts. Religion will not do it. Therapy cannot achieve it. But we are who we are because our Savior Jesus Christ gave himself up for each and every single one of us. And so today we are free of the penalty of sin. We are clean. We are forgiven. 
Because why? He hung on a cross. The groom did it for the bride, praise God. Oh, I tell you, if God loved the church that much, I feel responsible to love the church as well. I feel responsible to play my part in this incredible, unstoppable church and show my gratitude for, the, for his unselfish act, an incredible selfless act that he did. God bankrupt heaven so I could flourish here in life. Thank you, Jesus. I close with Ephesians 1.23. Message. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being. Forever. He's in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. Now pay attention. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Listen to this. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is the hope of the world. Let us link our lives. Let us link our desires and our aspirations together to be the visible image of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost and hopeless and in desperate need of a savior.